Desperate times call for desperate measures, you know. Don't be afraid to step way outside the box and do something, something totally different and, uh, and really just attack the problem. Don't, don't be passive with it, just get after it and, and go all out. You know, put all your chips on the table and just really do something big. And um, also, I think it's really important to just embrace simplicity. It's just such a, simplicity is such a powerful thing. That's Andrew Taylor, and this is The Ritual Podcast. The Ritual Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome or welcome back. I'm Rich Roll. This is my podcast. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. This is the program where I get intimate and go long form with some of the most intriguing thought leaders and positive paradigm breaking change makers all across the globe, all in an effort really to help all of us, the collective, unlock and unleash our best, most authentic selves. Uh, If you would like to support the show, there are many, many ways. You can share it with your friends. You can use the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com. You can contribute on Patreon, but perhaps the single most powerful way that you can help is just to subscribe to the show. It's totally free. So if you haven't done that already, please, please click that button on iTunes or on whatever app you use to consume your podcast content. And thank you so much. So One of the things that I really love about what I do and something that I think makes my show distinct a little bit different from a lot of the other podcasts out there is that I occasionally take the opportunity to depart from what I usually do, these conversations with thought leaders, and instead shift focus and shine a light on average people, everyday folks, people who are living anonymous lives, who reach that point where they're just fed up with how they're living and decide to step outside their comfort zone, try something new, uh, sometimes something extraordinary, all in the interest of seizing the reins of their health and their well-being and their life path. And over the years, these have been some of my favorite, my most meaningful and most resonant conversations. You know, people like Josh Lajani, I think uh, Luke Tybersky falls into that category. There was the father and the son that ran across country together. Uh, maybe even David Clark fits the bill there. So if you've enjoyed those episodes, then I've got a real treat for you guys today. One year ago, Andrew Taylor was an Aussie living in Melbourne who tipped the scales at 334 pounds. He was clinically depressed, medicated, and a self-admitted food addict. He basically decided that he was sick and tired of being sick and tired. He was fed up. The elevator was going down, and he reached that point where he was ready to do something about it, to take his mental and physical and emotional health and well-being back, to reclaim the life that he felt was slipping away. He had enough self-awareness at the time to understand that for him, this path to freedom was going to require some pretty drastic and specific action. So he decided to attempt something I think we'll all agree is pretty extreme, and that is this. Get ready for it. He decided that he was going to eat nothing but potatoes for an entire year. Nothing but potatoes. Let that sink in for a minute. So back on January 2nd of this year, he proclaimed this quest on YouTube. He did it on a channel that he just started with zero subscribers and without any expectation that anybody other than himself and his wife would care. 
But instead, the world ended up taking notice. And as the weeks and the months clicked by, he was sharing his journey, the high highs, the low lows, the hardships, the how-tos, the whatnots, in a daily vlog, a new video every single day. And the media ended up picking up on this story. And suddenly, and you know, kind of surprisingly, he found himself in this sort of global spotlight. Dubbing himself SpudFit over the last year, Andrew has been profiled in everything from the Daily Mail and the Daily Telegraph to BuzzFeed. He even made appearances on the Today Show and even uh, television's The Doctors, The Doctors Show. And as of today, he's nearing the end of his one-year experiment. Andrew has overcome his depression, he's off his meds, and he has lost 114 pounds. So today, I'm going to share his wild, crazy story with you guys. But first, let's acknowledge the awesome organizations that make this show possible. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem. A problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. 
Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. Okay, so this is a conversation about a lot of things. It's about the pitfalls of moderation. It's about the benefits of taking a risk and attempting something extreme. Because in Andrew's words, if you want extreme results, you have to do extreme things. Uh, It's a talk about food addiction, the adaptability of the human body, and our cultural attachment to balance, what balance really means. Uh, It's also a talk about simplicity, a minimalist approach to diet and lifestyle. Uh, And it's about meditation, mindfulness, and the power of the mind to heal. But ultimately, I think this conversation is about thinking and acting outside the box. It's about accessing untapped reservoirs of human potential to radically and positively impact the trajectory of one's life. And it's about the power that we all have, but all too often deny or overlook to better control our health and our happiness. Let's do it, man. Uh, so great to have you here, Andrew. Thanks for coming up to the house. Yeah, to do the thank podcast. you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you. I've been following your journey uh, for a little while now, man. It's uh, it's quite a ride you've been on. Yeah, unbelievable. It's uh, it's if you told me that I'd be doing what I'm doing this time last year, I would have thought you were certifiably insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, we live in we live in a crazy time because you know it wasn't that long ago that for somebody like you to be able to get your story out to the world and share it would have been a Herculean task. And now you can put up a YouTube video and, you know, doing it consistently and sharing your journey kind of transparently and very authentically has obviously struck a nerve. I mean, it's insane. I went back and, you know, I haven't seen all your videos. You put up way too many, yeah. <laughs> but, but there's a lot there. And I, yeah. I went back and watched the very first one and you got, you yeah. got like over a hundred thousand views on that. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you've got, and, and as a result of kind of sharing, you know, very consistently, you've picked up like a lot of momentum and there's a lot of people following you and you're getting all kinds of press and attention. Yeah. It's just an insane ride you're on. Yeah. It's been just totally just mind blowing to me. It's uh when I started it all, I thought it was a pretty boring thing to do. And I, I just, for a while there, I couldn't understand why anyone would be interested in a fat guy eating potatoes, you know? <laughs> so, but yeah, like the more, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it's, um, I'm just sort of being authentic and I'm expressing um, uh, my problems that I think a lot of people relate to. And a lot mm-hmm. of, there's, obviously there's a lot of overweight people in the world and, um, and a lot of them 
feel similarly about food to have similar relationships to food to what I did and don't anymore so yeah I think people relate to it and I think people um appreciate my uh openness and honesty in Mm -hmm. in my battle so yeah. Yeah. I mean, that first video, you kind of, you know, you, you, first of all, you look like a totally different person, yeah. but also, you know, there's kind of a heaviness emotionally to you that you can see, like yeah. you're kind of trudging down the sidewalk and yeah, yeah. it's, you know, I don't know if I would call it depression, but you know, you look like a little bit lost and unsure and, yeah. and kind of at the end of your rope. And, and I would imagine on some level, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, that, that, you know, that that's really what inspired you to take such a dramatic leap into you know this adventure that you're on yeah yeah well i was actually i was last uh beginning of last year i was diagnosed with clinical depression Mm. and anxiety and um that video that i made on day one i didn't actually watch it i just uploaded it without watching it and i didn't watch it through again until maybe july when i thought oh i wonder i'll go back and check that video out and i actually just cried watching it it was um Mm just to it's heartbreaking to me to think of how i was back then as a as a difference to how i am now it's um yeah it's a totally i'm a different person in uh in just about every way and it's uh, it's been been pretty good and yeah it was um yeah desperate times call for desperate measures you know it's not like i'm not here to say that everyone should eat only potatoes for a year but it's um yeah, I was I was in a desperate situation, and uh, and my outlook on life was really bleak, and uh, I just yeah, it's a there's a lot to talk about with how I came to doing this, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was uh, I felt like I needed to do something extreme to to really um, break the back of what was going on. Yeah, well, I can certainly relate to that, and I'm the last person in the world who's going to give you a hard time for doing yeah. something extreme. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I. I understand that completely. Like when you're in a place and you feel like there's no exit out Mm. and there's no way of shifting your lifestyle, it's almost, I mean, the way that I see it is that's the best way to shift it is to do something so crazy and create these rules, these like hard and fast rules that remove all the decision fatigue and all the kind of arguments that go on in your head and make it as simple as possible. And, And even like, you know, we could take out everything about nutrition and science, but just creating something that simple that you can just say, this is my rule book and there's only one rule basically, uh, you know, really narrows your focus and makes it, um, it's, makes it seem more doable. And on a very symbolic level, it's a, it's very much of a tabula rasa, like you're wiping the slate clean. Like I'm going to start totally fresh and do something so insane. That's the only way I can kind of shake myself up enough to, be able to gain some perspective and, 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 uh, you know, move in a new trajectory. Yeah, definitely. The, the way I think about it is, um, for someone like me who is a food addict, I, uh, I think about that when you're thinking about having junk food, let's say chocolate cake or whatever, you got a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other shoulder. And there's this internal debate going on and, uh, and the, the devil on one shoulder just wants you to have the cake. And I, I, I look at him as like, he's a, he's a junkie, an addict, and he doesn't care about your health or your well-being or anything. He just wants a hit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he just, and he'll, he'll tell you, he'll you know, talk in your ear about all the different absurd reasons why it's a good idea to have, a, have that piece of chocolate cake. And eventually you might resist for a few days, but then, well, this is my story anyway, and then uh, eventually you'll give in and, and it's... Um, He's like a, you know, that devil on your shoulders, like a, like a slime bag lawyer trying to find loopholes in the rules that you've got, uh-huh. you know, and 
and uh, eventually he'll say something that doesn't make sense, but you'll go, yeah, like, I'll, I'll, I'll just have the chocolate cake. It'll be okay. I'll, I'll, get back on, I'll get back on the diet tomorrow, and it never happens. And, yeah, so like you said, the rules, the simplicity of just saying potatoes is all I eat, there's no loopholes there for that slimy grease bag lawyer to right. try to put a wedge in you know it's just it's so simple and easy and that it was an easy it was a good way to quiet that internal debate that was going on so yeah, yeah I, I feel like the internet avails us so much information that's at our fingertips and we can find out all of this all of these things that can help improve our lives but it also can be very confusing right so that's slime by slime ball lawyer on yeah. your shoulder <laughs> who's looking for an argument yeah. as a way out if you go online you can probably find that argument you'll find some article or some yeah. study that will support whatever yeah. unhealthy habit it is that yeah. you want to rationalize and then you're off to the races right yeah yeah there's there's so much mixed information out there and it, it's really hard to um if you're for a lay person anyway to really understand what's going on with nutrition and science and all of this and um yeah, it's, there's just, you can find any, any article to support any point of view. And uh, yeah, for me, I, I did do quite a bit of research before I started this and I was confident that potatoes were uh, gonna, gonna keep me healthy. But <laughs> the, the point of it was, um, was that I just wanted to just stop that internal debate and just, just focus on other things in life for a while because food was an obsession and it was, you know, you spend so much time, even for you, I don't, I guess food's not such a problem for you like it was for me, but you, you do, even when it's not a problem, I think you spend a lot of time thinking about food, planning what you're going to eat, shopping for it, cooking it, cleaning up after it, all of that. And, uh, and then for me, you've got the obsession on top of that. And uh, just to remove it all and go, when I go to the shop, I just buy potatoes and leave. There's, there's mm -hmm. nothing else to do. And, right. you know, it's, it's just so simple in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I definitely consider myself a food addict. I think yeah. there's a spectrum of that, but perhaps yeah. my, you know, food addiction isn't or was not as pronounced as it was for you. Um, but I certainly uh, believe that, um, you know, I have problems around food. Yeah. And I've yeah. historically had problems around food. And, yeah. Of course you did. I've, and it was, I've, I've read your book. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, you yeah. know, my my drug yeah. of choice was alcohol. Yeah. You know, that sort of yeah. masked everything else. But yeah. at my core, I'm an addict and I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. And I'll use whatever's around me to get out of whatever I'm feeling at the moment, right? And it wasn't until I'd been sober for some time that I started to realize the extent to which I was using food to modulate and regulate my emotional state. Like that never occurred to me ever. Yeah. And I would hear people you know, in the rooms of sobriety, talk about that. And I'm like, I don't know what you mean. You know, I didn't understand it, uh, even though I had some sober time under my belt and I'm going to, you know, eating a fast food every single day and I still couldn't do that math. And it, you know, it took a while for me to really understand that. But once you kind of see, oh my God, you know, when I, whenever I'm feeling like this, I naturally gravitate towards eating like that. And I can't really stop myself. And, and, you know, one of the things you learn in, in, in addiction recovery is, is this idea of, of uh, like we said before, like removing the decision fatigue. Like it's, there's no gray area. It's like you're either drinking or you're sober, or you're using drugs or you're not. Like it's yeah. not like, well, I drink once in a while, but I'm sober. Like it doesn't yeah. work that way. But with food, it's different because you have to eat, right? Yeah. So you yeah. can't just say, I don't eat food anymore. But you have basically stripped out all of the decision fatigue to its core more in a more extreme fashion than anyone I've ever met by just saying, this is what I'm eating and this is all I'm eating. Yeah which makes it very simple. 
Um, and of course, you know, the, the, the immediate question that comes up for everybody, well, there's a bunch of questions, but the first one is like, aren't you going out of your mind, like bored? Don't you crave other foods? Like, how have you been able to do this? I guess you started in January, right? So it's been quite, you're coming up on a year. almost. Yeah. Yeah. I started the January on January 1st and the plan is to go through the whole year. And, um, yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about your experiences with addiction because basically it was obviously as an alcoholic, the best thing you can do as an alcoholic, most people would agree is to quit alcohol mm-hmm. and never do it again. And, uh, it'd be hard to find someone that would say, it's okay, Rich, you can have a, you can have beer in moderation, just have one every now and then, and that'll be fine. Like, well, the, the, uh, the sleazy lawyer on my shoulder will tell yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, when I was first had this realization that I was a food addict, I started thinking about how if you're an alcoholic, you should quit alcohol. And if you're a drug addict, you should quit drugs. And if you're a gambler, gambling addict, you should quit gambling. But obviously you can't quit food like you can with those things. So uh, I thought maybe I could get as close as possible to quitting food by finding one food that would be healthy enough to keep me, keep me going and keep mm-hmm. me thriving. And, um, and yeah, so that, was, that turned out to be potatoes. And, um, yeah, so that's that just made it super simple to reduce that decision fatigue and just uh, yeah take all the all the uh, all the emotion out of eating. So the I had this uh, realization, like you were describing, that I was I was relying on food for emotional support and comfort and enjoyment. And you know you celebrate with food when something good happens, and then if something bad happens, you commiserate with food. And it's like just food's there every step of the way. And I wanted to retrain my mind and my brain to get that comfort and emotional support and enjoyment from other areas of life. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that was, that was a big thing behind it. I want my food to be boring and bland and, uh, and not make it a feature of my day anymore, not make it something that I look to for a good time. And it's, food's just become fuel and it's something I do to uh, just keep my body running to be able to do the other things I want to do with my life that give me pleasure and enjoyment these days. And yeah, the first two weeks was pretty hard. It was, um, it was a challenge and uh, yeah, I got through that though. And then really since, since the end of the second week, it's been pretty easy really. It's mm-hmm. like my mind changed pretty quick and in hindsight, I didn't really need a year, but I set out to do a year, so that's what I'm doing. But I think a couple of weeks to a month really did what I wanted to do. And since then, it's just been an interesting challenge to get through the year. Right. It's, yeah. it's almost a, a very stoic approach to yeah. food to strip everything else away um, and, and really get in touch with what it is that gets triggered in you emotionally that creates that obsession and mm. that craving, right? Yeah. Um, because the food isn't the problem, just like drugs and alcohol aren't the problem. They're the solution to whatever is emotionally disconcerting for you. And the real work and the healing comes in, you know, wrestling with that and trying to, you know, heal yourself emotionally so that you can go back to these things with a different kind of, uh, you know, different kind of relationship. Yeah, definitely. And when I was researching this, I read a lot about nutrition to help me figure out what food I would eat. But I also read a bit about addiction and I read some stuff by Russell Brand. And I love that he said a quote along similar lines that alcoholics don't have an alcohol problem, they have a reality problem. And alcohol is the solution. (laughs) I I really related to that, Mm -hmm. that I was doing that with food. And uh, yeah, it was... um, 
yeah, I didn't, didn't find a lot of information about food addicts, but I could really relate to the things I read about alcoholism and relate that to the way I was treating food. And yeah, it's really nice to have uh, learned other ways to deal with things when I get problems and did you yeah. ever did you ever consider like twelve step for food addiction like OA Overeaters Anonymous or anything well, like that? Yeah, I've read about Alcoholics Anonymous, but I didn't actually consider that it, it existed for food addicts. Food uh-huh. addicts. So, oh man, yeah, in I LA, have since those meetings yeah. are everywhere. Yeah, okay, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's like. Yeah. In, no, I have since found out that there's one not far from where I live. So I don't know why I didn't look that up. It just didn't occur to me that that would exist for uh-huh. food addiction. Oh so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's let's like step it back and unpack yeah. this a little in a little bit more detail. So, when what I want to I want to kind of get a get a, a sense of how you were living and what your life was like, you know, prior to the commencement of this experiment, and and gain an idea of when it occurred to you that actually you are a food addict. Like, you yeah. know, how did that epiphany come to you, and how were you living? Yeah. Uh, so. I've got a wife and a little boy who's just turned three years old, so he was, he'd just turned two at the time, uh, this time last year, and um, yeah, I was, I was vegan, I've been vegan for eight years, and, uh, but I was a junk food vegan, so I, I was trying to eat healthy, like I felt like I was reasonably well educated in what, it, what a healthy diet was, but I just couldn't make it stick. I would do a few days at a time of, of you know, green smoothies and like, lentil pasta salad uh, lentil uh bolognese and uh you know and salads and all that and then mm-hmm. you know that little devil on my shoulder that i was talking about would just be in the back of my mind saying eat some cake eat some cake and uh and, you know i'd go a few days resisting and then then i just I, I would cave and then i would get a pizza and follow it up with a box of ice cream and then and then a liter of coca-cola afterwards mm-hmm. and uh and yeah, and then I'd feel shit about myself after that, and uh, and it was just a, it was a cycle. I was just going around in circles like that, trying to stick to a healthy diet, and then not being able to. And I think that's yeah something that most people can relate to. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I've had a lot of people write to me this year about having similar experiences, which has been cool because well, not cool that they're having those experiences, but cool that I'm not alone. You know, I've felt a lot of support from that. Um, but yeah, I was, I was really, like I said earlier, I was depressed. I was really down. I was, I was crying nearly every day for reasons that I, I didn't know at the time. I was just, I would be like one time I remember I was out for a walk with my little boy and we're walking, we walked along the lake. It was a beautiful sunny day. It was like, there's nothing to be upset about, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and I just started crying and I was, I don't know why. I still don't know why. Well, I know why I was depressed, but there was nothing particular that happened to trigger me like and that sort of thing was happening most days and and uh yeah life was life was no good and I remember the moment where I had the realization that I was a food addict and I was sitting on the couch at home and uh yeah I was I was just I think the night before I'd had like another binge night another failed attempt at losing weight and I was um I was sitting on the couch just basically lamenting the fact that I just couldn't I just no matter how hard I tried over and over again I just couldn't make it work and I couldn't lose weight and keep it off I'd just come back on every time and um and I started um getting really down on myself that uh, why can't I just do moderation like a normal person like Mm. why don't why I realized that I moderation wasn't something that would work for me but I just 
I was at a loss and I thought, why can't I just do this? Why, it's, it's so simple for everyone else. Why can't I do it? And then, then that was when I had the thought that well, maybe it's just, maybe I've just got to accept that I'm not a guy that can do moderation. And maybe I've just got to, rather than, rather than trying to fight that, maybe I've got to start working with it. Like maybe I've just got to accept that I'm an all or nothing kind of guy and just go with it, you know? And, and then, um, yeah, it got me thinking about my behaviours in general and I, I, thinking about how, like I described, I could go for a period of time doing things really well and then I would, one, you know, after two weeks, a month, whatever, that was a really good effort if I could make it that long, then I would binge and I'd go back to square one and it, and it struck me how similar that behaviour was to um, what I've heard about alcoholics, how you might... Um, I don't know your experience. Mm -hmm. I read your book a few years ago, so I can't remember it that well. But, um, you know, you might have tried to quit alcohol and you might last two or three months. And then one night, that little devil on your shoulder would say, right. just one beer is okay, Rich. You can have one beer tonight. It'll be fine. And then tomorrow you'll go back to not drinking again. And, and when, then, you're, yeah. when you're in that state, you're, you're convinced that you will never drink again or yeah. never eat that terrible food again. Like, yeah. there's no doubt in your mind. So when the relapse happens, it's it's so baffling and demoralizing. Yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. It's not about self-will. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of, you know, normal people that don't struggle with these issues have a hard time wrapping their heads around. They're like, yeah. why can't you just modulate your behavior? Yeah. And it's the same thing with balance. Like, why can't you just eat a balanced diet? Why can't yeah. you just, you know, it just doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, what you said about willpower is interesting too because a lot of people have told me, wow, you've got amazing willpower. And I'm like, if I had amazing willpower, I wouldn't have got <laughs> in that. You wouldn't have had to do this in a <laughs> yeah. <first place. laughs> yeah, I wouldn't uh -huh. have found myself in that situation, you know. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, for me, it's about removing the need for willpower. And, uh, so you yeah. kind of slowly, it slowly dawned on you like this is an addiction type relationship oh, with food. I wouldn't say it was slow. It was like it hit me like a ton of bricks in uh -huh. that moment on the couch. I was like, yeah, this is... I'm the same as uh, I didn't I had limited knowledge of alcoholism basically apart from reading your book that was the only book I'd read about alcoholism but you know you hear stories and watch movies about alcoholics whatever and um yeah I just had that realization that my behavior was with food was basically the same as what I knew of how alcoholics had their relationship with alcohol and mm -hmm. it was like a lightning bulb moment that that's me and so and so what do yeah. you do with that like armed with that self-awareness yeah that's the next step so yeah basically straight away the next step was um wondering about why don't we treat food addiction the same way as we treat alcohol addiction and obviously we can't quit food you're gonna die if you quit food but i thought since i can't quit food maybe i can quit all foods except one so um yes but what inspired like what where did that come from though oh i don't because most people yeah. would say well i'm just gonna eat you know vegetables or I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to eat a low fat vegan diet or whatever. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's a, it was an interesting tick where you went, I'm going to find one food to eat and just eat that. Like that's not a, like that's yeah. not, that's not a, a realization that most people would yeah, have. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was just, I really wanted it to be uh, thinking about alcohol. It was like, like you said, you either drink or you don't and it, it's black and white. There's no gray area. There's, um, there's no loopholes for the slimy lawyer to, to put anything into and, you know, break, break, the, break the door open. And, um, 
Yeah, so I just wanted it to be as simple as possible because that decision, am I going to have a beer or not, is a really simple decision. Well, not that simple if you're an alcoholic, but the, it's black and white. So I wanted it to get as simple as possible like that and, and I thought, yeah, I can't quit every food, but maybe I can just get as close as possible. And So, so before, yeah. you, before you decided on <laughs> yeah. potatoes, were there other candidates? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, the first thing I did, uh, interesting, well, I, I did have some other candidates, but the very first thing I did was search, do a Google search for, I can't remember exactly what the words were, but something along the lines of what is the perfect food. Mm-hmm. And, and the first thing that came up was actually, it's interesting because I've been to the Veg Source Expo and, uh, and it was a Veg Source video that came up. Um, with Dr. John McDougall talking, and it was called Potatoes, the Perfect Food. And it was about a four-minute video of, uh, of Dr. McDougall talking about the history of potatoes and the science behind potatoes and how great they are. So that sent me down the rabbit hole of researching mm-hmm. potatoes. But also in my research, I found... Um, like the yeah, 30, 30 yeah, bananas a day. Yeah, you, you knew crowd. that was coming. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I looked at bananas too with, um, you know, is it Durian Ryder and Freely... They have information on that. And uh, what was the, the doctor's name that wrote the 80-10-10? Oh, Doug Graham. Yeah, so I found, found that book too. And so I read about bananas and I read a bit about mangoes as well. And uh, yeah, so there were a few candidates. I thought the thing that brought me back to potatoes was that um, bananas and mangoes, in theory, I think they could have done it. But... The, th- the benefit with potatoes was that there's a lot more um, science and historical evidence to back them up of people that have actually like, lived that way for extended periods of time. And obviously I found lots of people that have done, like they call it Banana Island, for a month or whatever on bananas, and lots of people have done that. But I hadn't found many examples of people that had done that long term for like years or decades. Mm-hmm. But there was lots of that with potatoes, so that just gave me confidence. And the other thing was that potatoes are cheap, and there's also like you can make a lot of different things with them too. exactly so i thought i thought it was going to be a really hard thing to do and I, I thought it would be the hardest thing in my life but it hasn't turned out that way but um i thought if i could have a bit of variety then then that would help but with bananas i thought i could just eat, peel it and eat it or maybe i could make a smoothie and i couldn't think of anything else mm-hmm. so that was, <laughs> <laughs> was yeah, yeah. yeah right yeah so, all right, so then how long after that did you, did you like prepare yourself to begin this or did you just jump right into it right away? Yeah, so that was, um, that realization on the couch I was talking about was late November. So it was at least a month, maybe six weeks of research. I did like at least a, probably a couple of hours of reading or watching um, online lectures or things like that every day. So it was a lot of research that went mm-hmm. into it. And, and we should um, probably, sorry to yeah, interrupt yeah. you, but we should probably like, at least elaborate a little bit on, you know, what is essentially consistent with John McDougall's starch of war, you know, yeah. diet perspective. Um, and there have been quite a few studies of people that have subsisted on potatoes. I think John always talks about yeah. one that was in like 1928 dating all the way back then where people yeah. were subsisting on potatoes and their, yeah. all their blood markers were good. And, yeah. and so this isn't a new thing. Like other people have have like sort of walked this path before yeah exactly and that was part of what gave me confidence so i'm i don't claim to be like a trailblazer here this is something that's been done lots of times before probably not for the same reasons that i'm doing it but um but i know that that i've read that study you were talking about i think it was a marathon running couple um that i'm pretty sure they did six months of only potatoes and uh and i 
think they ran, uh, this is a while, like it's nearly a year ago that I read it, but I think they ran personal best marathons at the end of six months on potatoes. So mm -hmm. they obviously, it was pretty good for them. And um, yeah, and there's, you know, the history with the Irish population. They, they lived on mostly, not all potatoes like me, but nearly all potatoes for a couple of centuries. And they went through a population boom, which wouldn't happen if they were unhealthy. And um, yeah, the Dutch had a similar experience with eating a diet of mostly potatoes and at the end of the second world war the german population was that was most of their diet because they couldn't get much else in in the you know the nazi germany that was hard for them to get food in so and then you can look through history like there's there's uh other tribes in the andes that lived off mostly potatoes and even to this day there are um there are tribes in the papua new guinean highlands that live off mostly sweet potatoes uh, the Okinawans in Japan have a diet of mostly uh, purple sweet potatoes and, and they've got the highest rate of centenarians, I believe, mm -hmm. of anywhere in the yeah, world. So blue zones. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, there's, there's not that many people have done only potatoes like me, but there are a lot of examples of people that have eaten almost only potatoes, like 95% right. of their calories from potatoes. So, and, and extrapolating yeah. on that, just on the starch of war, mm. you know, kind of tip, there's plenty of examples of populations throughout human history who have subsisted on essentially a similar maybe not potatoes yeah. but you know the chinese eating rice or yeah, uh, yeah. you know the aztecs eating uh, what were they eating down there i forget something uh, similar. yeah there's all like, sorts of different grains and and just beans, you yeah. know indian populations eating corn and, yeah. and things like that that are kind of similar to potatoes in a certain yeah way, yeah but Dr. potatoes Mook, are pretty good they got you know there's they're pretty they, we sort of write off the, mm. the you know the russet potato because it's like a white food and you think yeah. it it's, doesn't have any nutrition in it. I but. had three of them for lunch just now. <laughs> Did you eat three <laughs> raw? Do you eat, have you been eating them? No, eat them no raw I don't eat them you raw. Just like no. bake them or yeah, just bake them. I just went to uh, there's a brew house across the road from my uh, where I'm staying and. Yeah, they've got a takeaway section. I just, I've been going there for. Grab a few. Yeah, just grab a few <laughs> spuds. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, they Do you call have, them spuds. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. I mean, yeah, we call them spuds. I mean, yeah, I don't know okay. if we call them. It's sort of colloquial. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was just an Australian slang no, no, term. No, no. Or, yeah. I mean, people yeah. know spuds mean potatoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but they have. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they have a they have a uh, complete amino acid profile. I think, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. They they they've got. Yeah, exactly. They've they've got all the proteins we need and in all the right ratios too. And everyone knows they've got carbs. They're, they've got a lot of carbs. But they've also something most people don't know is that they've got a little bit of fat in them too. Not a lot, maybe one to two percent, but just enough to help you absorb the fat soluble vitamins and minerals in them. And yeah, they've 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 really got everything we need. They've got a heap of vitamin C. I've had a lot of people writing to me saying that I'm going to get scurvy, mm -hmm. but you know, that's a that's a lack of vitamin C and potatoes have heaps of that. They've got obviously heaps of fiber. Um, yeah, they've really got everything we need, yeah. It's interesting in, in doing a little bit of research to get ready to speak to you today. You know, there's a lot of articles out there that kind of 
you know, they cast a, a spotlight on what you're doing because it's an interesting kind of human human interest story. But then there's always the the disclaimer, the caveat where they bring in the nutritionist who says, yeah. you know, we uh, this is very unhealthy and he's going to be. And I've read a bunch, like everyone had a kind of a different opinion yeah. on how you were going to be deficient, you know, yeah. whether it was protein deficient, fat deficient, uh, you know, this mineral or that vitamin deficient and how you were going to have all these kinds of problems and yeah. you were going to, your immune system was going to get run down and blah, blah, blah. So... We're at, how long are we into it now? Oh, it's coming up to 10 months. months. Have you had any deleterious health impact or any struggles or issues? Yeah, no, it's been all positive. I've had had four blood tests now throughout the year and they just keep getting better. Um, Yeah, I've I've really had no issues at all. And I, I read these articles with, you know, diet experts or doctors saying that things are going to go wrong. And they, they say crazy things like I've, I've, one of them said she was worried about, this is like a, a big expert in, that's well known in the media in Australia, said she was worried I was going to get bowel cancer from a lack of fiber, which is crazy. It's like, there's so much fiber in potatoes. How could you, how, you know, especially if you're, if you're eating the skin. Yeah. And like, there's, I just don't know why people say these things that it's just, yeah, it's baffling to me that they clearly don't know what they're talking about and they just... Yeah, I just, I can't figure it out. <laughs> why Why would you say that potatoes have no fiber or no vitamin C or like I've had people say that I'm going to get no iron and my last blood test, my doctor said to me that if I was an elite athlete, like riding in the Tour de France or something, my uh, oxygen carrying capacity of my blood is almost at the borderline of where they'd start to suspect me of blood doping. And That's so, amazing. Yeah, it's incredible that, you know, there's... There's got to be, it, it, despite it being kind of labeled the perfect food, I mean, it can't, yeah. there's no way that it has, you know, everything that you need though, right? There's got to be some things that it's deficient in because no yeah. food has every single vitamin and mineral that you would, that you would yeah, require. Well, theoretically, like according to the, um, the stats on what's in a potato, I, I should be getting a little bit less calcium than I need. And I've forgotten the name of it now. It starts with an F and you need it when women need it more when they're pregnant. Folate. Folate, yeah. Folate should be um, low as well. But in my blood test, folate's actually on the high side and calcium is just normal. And uh, What about like yeah. selenium and D, uh, vitamin D? If you're out in the sun. Yeah, I get plenty of sun. And so, you're yeah. supplementing with B12? I'm supplementing with B12, which uh, I think that's important for anyone on a plant-based diet. But... Yeah, theoretically, you could get B12 if you bought organic potatoes and you didn't wash them properly. You might get some B12 from leaving a little bit of the dirt on, but that's not something I want to play around with. So that's the only supplement I take, B12. Well, a lot of it, I think a lot of it also depends on the soil in which the potatoes were grown, right? Yeah. If they're they're grown in in mineral-rich soil, that's going to be, it's going to have a different, you know, profile, nutrition profile for that food versus maybe a conventionally grown potato in, in a depleted soil. Yeah, yeah, and no, I've I've not really paid that much attention to where exactly my potatoes come from. I know they're all from local, like in Victoria or South Australia, which is not too far from where I live. So, um, and I know that yeah, they they come from good quality soil. So that's not something I'm really worried about. And you know, I've read a little bit about uh, that about the way they've tested for to figure out what nutrients are in a potato and. I don't know how how true this is, but what I've read is that they haven't actually done the testing for a few decades now, and maybe if they did it again with better equipment that they'd find different things. And there's also, like, I wonder if I've really cleaned up my diet and and, um, obviously it's about as clean as you can get. There's nothing in there but potatoes. And um, 
Yeah, I would just wonder if my body has just become more efficient at maybe absorbing and using the calcium and the folate and the selenium and whatever else that, that um, so maybe it doesn't need as much because it's just better at absorbing and using mm-hmm. it now. I don't, I don't know the, the answers to all this, but the blood tests show that yeah, I'm, I'm good for that stuff. That's so, amazing. So yeah. there's no, you're, it's not showing any deficiency or any kind of red flag on anything. No, no, everything's good. There's, I don't know, I don't know enough about the blood test, so I rely on my doctor, who's mm. a he's a really uh, knowledgeable uh, whole food, plant based guy. He's a qualified nutritionist as well as uh, as being a doctor, and he he flies around the world to study and all that. So I don't I don't get too involved in what my blood tests say. Like I I did my research before I started. I don't right. I don't really feel like I. <laughs> I don't really feel like I want to spend time researching my blood tests and everything, so I just leave that up to my doctor. And right. he, but you know you're going to get – everyone wants to ask you about it though, right? Yeah, yeah I probably should. But, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. the, thing, the, the thing that I take away from this yeah. and, and what I've learned over the years, uh, over the last couple of years, is the human body is unbelievably resilient and it's yeah. capable of physical feats that you know we don't know we're capable of. And it, it's, it's capable of – survival feats uh that i think we're not we're only now starting to really wrap our heads around yeah um because nobody would tell you oh yeah you should just eat bananas and and you'll be able to rock it but you know i know michael arnstein and he's been eating nothing but fruit forever and he was the fifth fastest finisher at the american finisher at the new york city marathon like five years ago or something and he's won ultra he's, he's done all these amazing athletic things and so, you know, not that I take away from that, oh, I'm going to be completely fruitarian, but I do develop a greater appreciation for um, what the human body is capable of. And it, and it, helps, it, it helps me to feel better about questioning, you know, longstanding conventional sort of perspectives around nutrition and medicine and appreciate that there's so much more that we need to learn and that we don't fully understand. Because if Michael can do that and you can do what you're doing when all these, every single nutritionist and doctor, you know, for the most part in the mainstream culture is kind of, you know, rolling their eyes at you. You're a living example of somebody who's doing something that's completely at odds with what everyone is telling you is safe and healthy. And yet here you are looking better and, you know, than you have as an adult male and, and happier and seemingly not depressed and all of these sort of amazing ramifications as a result of making this decision that it just makes me go, you know, we have a lot to learn. And and now even with all the intermittent fasting stuff that's coming out and the experiments that are going on there, I think it's a really interesting time. And, and I think the human body is incredibly adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, I think it's a case of, we just need to get out of the way really and just let our bodies just do what they do. We've, we've all of us, every one of us is born with this incredible machine that knows exactly what to do. And we, some, <clears throat> sorry, sometimes we, we don't allow it to just do its thing. So I think that's what I'm doing now. And I feel like it's more important what I'm not eating than what I am. Like potatoes are great, but more important than eating potatoes is that I'm not eating all the processed oils and sugars and mm-hmm. all the processed flours and all the junk that I used to eat. I'm not eating meat and dairy and eggs and you know all these things that really don't allow our body to to be at their best. So I, yeah, I think that's 
don't quote me on this, but oh, well, you're going. It's on, it's on air <laughs> now, but, but yeah, I'm quoting myself. It's going to be the quote at yeah. the top of the podcast. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I just I feel like there's probably a whole heap of foods that we could do this on, and um, and it's yeah, as long as you're getting enough calories to to satisfy your body's need for energy, I feel like there's probably a lot of foods that we could do this on, and um, yeah, I just you just get out of get out of the way and let your body do its thing. That's mm-hmm. that's what I think is more important. All right, so you make this decision, you're going to do this potato thing, and uh, you know, walk me through like day one. Yeah, well, first of all, I had uh, I, I made the decision that I was going to do it, and just by coincidence, it was like it was three days before January first. And anyone who's an experienced dieter knows that your diet doesn't start till Monday, right? So, <laughs> so, so for me, it was well January first coming up. Mm-hmm. I'll wait until then. So my original idea was that I'd do a month or maybe two months. And, uh, and I thought that would be enough. But then since I was waiting that three days, I, I can't, really can't explain where the idea came from. It just, the idea came to me that I could do it for the whole year since I was starting on January 1. Why not just go until January 1? And so I've really got no justification for, mm-hmm. for that side of things. But, um, but yeah, I, I, was, I was scared. I thought it would be the hardest thing I've ever done. And, uh, and I was not sure that... Well, I was thought I probably wouldn't be able to actually do it, but it was just something that I really wanted to give it a try. It was like I just had this deep feeling that if if I could do this, I don't know how or why, but life's going to be different. It's things are going to be for better or worse. Things are going to be different. And I didn't like my life the way it was, so any sort of difference, I was happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, I started and. Day one, I put my backpack on and walked up to the to the store and filled my backpack with potatoes. And that's the video you were talking about earlier. I decided mm-hmm. to to film that on the way back. And it's interesting, actually, the filming. I wasn't going to record this year at all. And uh, and my wife said she, I should write a journal so that I had something to go back on and have a look at. And uh, and I said I've tried writing journals before and I never stick to it. So. There's no point to that. And so then she said, what about you just use your phone and talk to your phone once a day about your experience? And I thought, oh, that's, a, that's an idea. I could do that. That's, that's pretty easy. But then the next thing I said was, well, you know, it's a year of films. I'm going to run out of places to store that. And she said, well, put them on YouTube then, and then you don't have to store them anywhere. So, oh, okay, no problem. So I did that, and somehow it got out from there. <laughs> but, that's so but, interesting because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you, yeah. you know, what, when did it occur to you to try to share this you know story transparently and, yeah. and simultaneously i mean you made you made that video from day one so obviously mm. like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put this out there yeah. did you think i mean i think a big part you know I, I would imagine that a positive result of doing that i'm sure there's been many but one is it keeps you honest right like you yeah. if, if people are expecting you to put a video up and share what's going on and you know people are watching that video that that keeps you kind of honest and and on the path yeah yeah that wasn't really something i thought about before i did it it was really just i, I needed somewhere to store the videos <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so i didn't i really didn't promote it at all there was uh-huh. like through through all of january i probably maybe had 50 views in total and um and i didn't really tell anyone i told my like close family and that was it nobody else knew that I was doing it and then uh one night maybe at the end of January or start of February I went for dinner at a friend's friend's house and that was like the first time we'd been out Mm -hmm. because I was avoiding going out because I didn't want to have to justify myself to people but this was a close friend so I was happy to tell him about it so I went for dinner and he made me potatoes and um 
we had a good chat about it all and then uh after we left i didn't know this until like three months later when he sheepishly came to me and said it was me but he was on a, a news website in australia and there was a a link on the side that said have you got a story email us uh. so he clicked on that and uh and he didn't write anything he just copied and pasted the link to my youtube video in and sent it and then uh, the next day i got a phone call well i didn't know how i thought it was out of the blue i thought somehow this guy had stumbled on me and uh so i was in one of australia's biggest news websites on a sunday afternoon and um and I, I did an interview and then they published it that afternoon. I, was, I thought, oh, cool, I've been in the news, that's, that's fun. And then I really forgot about it. But then, uh, so I went to bed Sunday night, woke up Monday morning to 400 emails from all around the world. And <laughs> How <laughs> and long then, uh, into the journey was this? This was the beginning of February. Oh, so it had only so, been 30 days or yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. So I'd lost uh, 10 kilos by then, 22 pounds, I think mm -hmm. that is. 24, I don't know, something like that, a bit over 20 pounds. Yeah, because yeah. there was a lot of news stories right yeah. around that period. Of yeah, time, yeah. So, that's so what kicked it off. I basically spent two weeks uh, doing interviews with TV and radio and newspapers and websites from all around the world. And I, I had very little sleep for two weeks doing that. <laughs> You're like, because, uh, <laughs> I guess I have to do this yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. You're only 30 days in. Yeah, I know? was just, yeah, I was sort of. You know, by that time, I was feeling better about life. I was, I'd say I was still depressed, but I was, things were looking up and I was like, I've got to ride this wave, you know. Mm -hmm. just, <laughs> if people are asking for interviews, I'm going to give them and let's just, let's just see what happens. And, right. and if Sp that had have happened... Spud Fit was yeah, born. Exactly. So I, at that point in time, I didn't have a website. I didn't have a Facebook page. I just had the YouTube channel and that's it. And then, um, yeah, once I woke up in the morning and I had all those emails and then I... A couple of days later, I'd done a lot of interviews and I thought, oh, I should really try to do something with this. So I made the website and the Facebook page and yeah, that was, that's how it, that's how it, went it took there. off. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because there's, I think there's a misconception that, that you're out trying to push some kind of diet, like you're trying to yeah. advocate for this way of life. Yeah. <clears throat> when in truth, you've said many times over, like, I'm not, you know, I'm just, this is what I'm doing. Yeah, like, I don't, yeah. You know, you could do it or not do it. I don't care. Like, yeah. this is just my journey and I'm kind of sharing it as I go. Exactly. Yeah. So if I had to advocate for any diet, it would be a whole food plant-based diet. Like, like you advocate for as well. I think that's the best diet. I'm definitely not here to say that potatoes only is the way forward for people, but I do think it's, it's uh, got value as, as a, as a way to hit the reset button, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, yeah, and yeah, the way I've been that, like yeah. Joe Cross uses, you know, juicing for that purpose. Yeah, he's kind reboot. of a similar yeah. thing. He does. Yeah. He drinks nothing but juice for a period of time to reset or whatever. Yeah, and I've been uh, since in the last couple of months. I've lots of people have you know, thousands of people over the year have been sending me questions and asking for advice and all that. So a couple of months ago, I started guiding th people through doing their own. I call it a Spud Fit challenge. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's something that I'm. I'm helping people do but it's it's I look at it as a stepping stone to getting to a whole food plant-based diet and it's just a way to um, change your relationship with food and um, adjust the way you think about food and see food and and uh, yeah hopefully you get you to a point where you can stick to a healthy diet for an indefinite period rather than rather than constantly be battling with that devil on your shoulder so right yeah. well I could tell you that uh that uh, I know one person who's done the Spud Fit Challenge. Yeah, that's my sister. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, have you talked to Have you talked to Molly? Yeah, I have yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was all about it. She's yeah. like, "You got to get this guy on." She yeah. just went nuts, and 
she had been trying to go vegan and she yeah. had her ups and downs with it and was frustrated and I was trying to help her and and then I don't know how she found you, but once she found you, it was like game on and like yeah. she just totally went for it. I, yeah. I don't know if she's still doing it, it's, but for I'm not sure a good if she is either. Period of time, she was on it. I have spoken to her, well, uh-huh. talked with her online recently, but I, I don't know if she's still doing the potato challenge. But um, yeah, it was funny when she first wrote to me, and I, we talked a bit on email, and and uh, and yeah, I was just she had questions and I was answering them. And the first time she wrote to me. I noticed that she had, her last name was Roll, right. and I thought, oh, that's not a common name. But it, like, I, I listened to the Rich Roll podcast, and uh, it's interesting. I've never heard of another person with the name Roll, mm-hmm. but I didn't for a second connect that right. you, you would be related. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, after a while, we'd been chatting, and then she said, "Hey, you should go on my brother's podcast." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, <laughs> you are, yeah." yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it takes what it takes. It's funny. She, you know, despite all the stuff that I've been doing for almost 10 years now, for whatever reason, it didn't connect with her. She, you know, just didn't interest her to make this kind of change. Mm. And then something changed in her, um, I don't know, maybe six or eight months ago. Mm. She watched Forks Over Knives. I think that was a good thing. And she's like, why didn't anybody tell me about this before? And I was like... I've only been doing this for 10 years. I got, you know, it's like, no one wants to hear it from your family member. You know what I mean? Like you got to hear, she needed to hear the message from you and not from me. And she's, so she's been trying to like make that leap. But, you know, I think that, that she struggles in a way that is very common. And, and like we said earlier, relatable to a lot of people, like a little bit of a rubber banding or not knowing how to quite, quite get it right. And so to do something so extreme, whether it's, you know, Joe Cross's reboot or, yeah. you know, your potato challenge, whatever it is, I think it does rewire your brain and, and, you know, take you out of your routine to such a, such an extreme extent that it helps you sort of basically like Joe has it right. You rebooting, like you're mm. literally turning your system off and back on and yeah. repowering up and you have an opportunity to form a new relationship and, and new habits around, you know, around these foods. I mean, I did it with a seven day juice cleanse, you know, maybe I should have done it longer or whatever, but like that was the extreme thing that I needed to do just to shift into a new diet. And I, and I think it, it brings up an interesting, you know, sort of thread that we can, that we can chase, which is this idea of balance, right? Cause everyone mm. will tell you, Oh, eat a balanced diet and yep. live a balanced life and, you know, exercise everything in moderation. And all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's like, which I don't get and it's never worked for me. And, yeah. I, and I, and then I feel badly about myself because yeah. like, Oh, why can't I do this in a balanced way? And I'm just being a crazy addict in other ways with all these other things that I'm doing. And yet my life continues to improve. So what does that really mean about balance? Like my relationship with balance is different than somebody else. And it sounds like, you know, you have an an interesting relationship with balance as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, to talk about a balanced diet, I've had a lot of people say, Hey, this is crazy. You should just be eating a balanced diet. And there's a couple of ways to look at that. But first thing I think is we need to think about what is a balanced diet Mm -hmm. and, and why do we even have that term? And I think that term, the balanced diet came up because Obviously, people are getting sicker and less healthy, and uh, and, and health health uh, practitioners of all kinds need something to tell us about how you should eat a balanced diet. And to me, a balanced diet is they call it a balanced diet because it's supposed to, uh, su- to provide us with a balance of all the nutrients that we need to be healthy. And if you look at it that way, I am eating a balanced diet. I'm eating a, a diet that gives me a good balance of all the nutrition that I need. And Yes, yeah, so, so to me that is a balanced diet. It's not balanced at all in the way if you, if you want to think about eating a, a wide variety of foods. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, maybe we don't need to do that necessarily. So yeah, in that way, I'm happy with, with the balance. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a non-issue for me. And, but yeah, I hear what you're saying about moderation. And um, yeah, I, I, uh, I talked about this a bit earlier in the year and I talk about it a lot actually, but um, for, I, I think for a lot of people, moderation just doesn't work in, in one way or another. And I think addicts is a prime example. Like, no one would advise you to go and drink beer in moderation and no one would advise a heroin addict to take heroin in moderation and I don't know why someone mm -hmm. would advise me to eat chocolate cake in moderation. It doesn't make sense, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I think um, moderation leads to medi mediocrity. Uh, I think it's just, that's just a, a fact of life. You wouldn't, you know, does Roger Federer practice tennis in moderation? Right. Like, does, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like anybody who's done anything extraordinary has lived their life sort of out of balance in the conventional Yeah, yeah. If you, want, if you want extreme results, you need to do extreme things. That's just, that's just the fact of the matter. And It's funny, yeah. though. When you, when you first jump into doing something extreme, everybody applauds you. Yeah. But then you know, five seconds later, then they want to tell you why you're wrong and why you shouldn't be doing that and how it's yeah. unhealthy. It becomes threatening, I think, yeah. on some level. Yeah, I, I don't really understand that. It's never been something that, that I've subscribed to. I've never obviously been, uh, I've never had great success at anything until this year. I've had reasonable success at, other, at a couple of things in my life, but, you know, nothing extreme. And, um, but I would never be someone to say, hey, you should, you should, I wouldn't have told you to ride your bike in moderation when you were training for you know, your, your big sporting events that you did, I, I would have applauded you for having the balls to get out there and have a go at that. And I don't really understand people that want to want to bring other people down for just stepping outside the box and trying something different, you know? Well, it be, so, because it is threatening, because if, yeah. if you can do that, then it means that they can too. And that's a very scary yeah, prospect okay. for yeah, somebody who's kind of living, you know, living in a box. And, and you know, I, I mean, I can relate. I understand that. You yeah. Know? yeah, putting it that way, I guess it makes sense that, um, yeah, you're holding a mirror up to people and... I the way people react yeah. to you says much more about who they are than, than who you are. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, I, to be honest, overwhelmingly, the response to what I've been doing, the, as far as I've um, been connected with people, has been overwhelmingly positive. And I'm sure there are forums online where people are, are just talking, talking about, about what a maniac. Yeah, are. exactly. But I, <laughs> I avoid all that stuff. I, one time, I can't remember what the article was, but I read the comment section in an article, and I was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. So no, no, it's not a healthy. <laughs> I stopped that. But yeah, as far as people contacting me, it's overwhelmingly positive, and it's it's been really good. So yeah, I've uh, I haven't really had too much trouble with haters. Uh, only once or twice. Yeah. On the depression tip. When you began this, were you were you taking medication for depression, or had you been diagnosed? No, I like had been. I think it was like March last year that I was diagnosed with depression, and I did get a subscription for uh, medication, but um, and I didn't. I didn't actually take the subscription. It was like I'm. I'm not here to say that um, medication for depression is a bad idea. That's that's up to individuals, and I've not really done a lot of research about whether or not it's a good idea but it just didn't feel right to me and it's yeah I, I so I didn't take it right. and uh, I debated with myself about whether I should or shouldn't but it's just I I guess I had a there was something in me that made me think if I start taking this I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to stop that was one of the things I considered and I I'd heard before of people getting addicted to depression medication mm -hmm. and 
things like that. So there was, there was that side of things and yeah, it was just, I just, I, I knew that there was a way to fix it without medication. I knew that there, it must be possible. Like people don't, people don't just, surely people don't stay depressed forever. And I don't, at that time I didn't know that much about depression other than I had it. But, uh, yeah, I don't really have a, a great justification for why I didn't take the med- medication. It just didn't feel like the right thing to do for me. So, mm-hmm. And yeah. how has this journey impacted your depression or your emotional state in general? Yeah, I think it's been massive. It's uh, that idea that I was talking about earlier about having to uh, not rely on food for comfort and enjoyment and emotional support and try to find other areas in life that I can get that from is I think that's where it's all been at. And uh yeah, I've done a lot of meditation and uh, and I've I've done a few other things like I've done. See, this is not all about the potato this year. The potato is a, I say the potato is a vehicle that's allowed me to journey inside to do what needed to be done um, to to fix the problems that I had. It's not obviously it is about the potato, but for me, it's potato is just a vehicle. So. Um, but everyone yeah. wants to just talk about the potatoes. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> potatoes are just something that helps me do what needed to be done. And um, so, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of hard work on, uh, on the way I think and, and the way I relate to food and the way I relate to the world around me and, mm-hmm. and uh, on mindfulness. And, what, so t- yeah. tell me what some of those practices are or, or you know, what that looks like for you. Okay, one of the things was, have you, have you ever read the poem If by Rudyard Kipling? Uh, probably, a, but probably not since like so, eighth yeah, grade. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a short poem, but uh, I should know it off by heart because I read it every day. But <laughs> that's a, that's been a really helpful. It's sort of a it's just a really powerful poem, and it it gives me tingles up my spine every time I read it. It's sort of uh, I think it's rooted in Stoic philosophy. It's about a, it's a poem that Rudyard Kipling wrote for his son. That he that it's about. It's all about how to live life, basically. And yeah, it's a, it's just if you read it, it's I'm sure you'd agree mm. that it's based on Stoic philosophy. So I've, I've read that every day, and it's, um, it's really helped me when, uh, when things are tough to just put things in perspective and and move on and, uh, and just do what needs to be done and try not to worry about um, and get stuck on you know what things I can't control basically just focus on control the controllables and let go of other things so that's been that poem has been a really big help for me and uh and I've done some meditation too from your advice listening to your podcast mm-hmm. I downloaded that headspace app and I've uh I'm not as consistent with it as I'd like to be but I yeah I I, I go through spurts of meditating for a few days right. in a row and then I have a few days off but I do feel like that's helped and uh-huh. You need uh, like the potato version of meditation. I do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so and I've done a lot. I've started exercising a lot more too and I'm, I'm getting pretty fit now. And uh, like at the beginning of the year, I couldn't have run up a flight of stairs. And Right, uh, so yeah. you were th- like 300 plus at the beginning, right? Yeah, 30, I think 30? it was three, yeah, 151 kilos, which I think is like 335 pounds mm-hmm. or something like that. And uh, I've and lost 110 now, 110, so okay. 110 pounds less now, so... Yeah, and like a couple of weeks ago, and you're, you're I ran tall. up. You don't look like you weigh 220. How tall no, are you? I'm 6'5". Okay, yeah, so, so you're super tall. Like. Yeah, I'm a pretty solid build too, so I, I carry the weight fairly well. But 
But yeah, I ran up a mountain two weeks ago. So uh-huh. I couldn't have run up a flight of stairs at the start of the year. And I, I ran the course of near Hobart in Australia. They call it um, the world's toughest half marathon. It starts at sea level and goes straight up a mountain. Mm. And I just, I didn't run the event, but I just, I was there the and course. I went and did the course just for fun. Like, tell me last year that I would have done that. It was insane. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So, all right. So, meditation, Rudyard yeah. Kipling. Yeah, and I, I know. Mountains. Yeah, and I just make more of an effort to. Um, not that I didn't last year, but I just didn't have it in me to um, play with my boy as much as I do now. You know, I was. I tried my best to be a good dad, but I just wasn't as good a dad as I could be, just because I just. How can you be when you're you feeling like, like shit, that? You know, you yeah. Like shit all the time. Yeah, but so I just I make more of an effort to you know wrestle with him and read books with him and go walking to them play at the playground and throw the ball and whatever and yeah I'd, i just spend more time joking around with my wife and it sounds like yeah, your wife yeah. has been very supportive she's amazing yeah she's so uh, even from the beginning she wasn't like you're you're a crazy person or no no she 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 knew my struggles she didn't i don't think she knew the extent of how bad things were like i didn't want to burden her with my problems you know so she knew I was depressed and she knew that I'd been diagnosed with a depression but I she didn't know that I was crying every day and uh and she didn't I don't think she quite knew how bad it was but she was aware that that's that's a that's my problem I should have made her more aware of it I should have shared it shared it with her but I felt like you know I don't want to bring her down you know Mm. it was uh so I sort of I kept it to myself a lot um which I don't advise people to do but um but yeah, she's she's just been amazing from the start. When I first came to her with the idea, like she didn't even know I was researching it. I just told her when I'd made the decision, I said, this is what I want to do. And she didn't flinch. She just said, just do what you got to do. That's right. Yeah. And she was really supportive from the start. And the only thing was I was, um, I was not going to, I didn't have any plans to get medical supervision. I was just confident in my research. And um, the only thing she said was that, yeah, I'll, I'll support you if you get medical supervision. Right. And um, so, yeah, that's well, why smart, that and, you know, yeah. and also I think it gives everything that you're, you're doing a lot more credibility when yeah. you have, when you're under doctor supervision and you're getting these blood tests and you can kind of, you know, really monitor everything that's going on. I think mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it, it really makes your, your case and your experience, you know, uh, a lot more substantial given that it's like vetted in that way. Yeah, yeah definitely. That was a, a good idea. Uh, I was, I would have been silly to, do it without medical supervision and uh and yeah i would never advise anyone else to do it without medical supervision either i, I think that's a really important thing but it's yeah i just hadn't thought of that and yeah i'm, I'm glad she she said that because it has given the whole thing right. some credibility yeah she's sick yeah. of cooking potatoes <laughs> she, <laughs> no. she's probably eating a lot more potatoes than she bargained for though yeah right? exactly now but I, she's not doing it with you Nah, she's done a week here and a week there, but um, yeah, she's just she's just doing her thing. She is eating a lot more healthier than she was. Like she didn't have the same issues with of, with food as I did, so um, she she doesn't have the same need to do it that I do. But uh, yeah, she's she's eating more potatoes than she used right. to, and her diet's improved. She's not eating as much. Not that she ever ate a lot of junk, but she's not eating as much junk as she used to. And yeah, she's lost a little bit of weight too. She was not not overweight to start with, though. She was. She's beautiful. Always has been. (laughs) Sweet. Uh, So walk me through a day of food. Like, what does this actually look like? 
Yeah, it's, it's, I was going to say it's different every day, but it's not really. <laughs> not that different. No, no. But it's, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, basically 95% of what I do is either mashed or boiled or baked potatoes. And I just make What it, else is yeah. there? Yeah. But I do every now and then make something a little bit out there. Like I make a potato waffle sometimes, mm-hmm. which is you just boil a potato until it's soft and then you squash it in your waffle line and you've got a potato waffle after 20 minutes or something. And I've made potato, everyone, I always get people writing to me asking me to how to make these potato pancakes that I took a photo of and I'm, uh, yeah, I've only, like people want to eat them every day for breakfast. So I'm like, I've eaten them twice this year. Right. It's not like, <laughs> so yeah, it really is. I've got a big um, 10 liter pot. I don't know what that is in like two gallons pot or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I boil up a big batch of potatoes and I'll eat them all through the next day and then then I'll, uh, I'll put two whole trays of potatoes in the oven and so then they're ready for the whole next day and then I'll make a big, huge pot of mashed potato and then I'll eat that through the next day. So I try to cook in big batches so that I've always got something ready. And, and you just uh, bring yeah. this stuff with you, right? Yeah, like yeah just, you go. just take it with me. It's been a bit different while I've been here because I haven't had kitchen facilities, but like I said, there's the, the griller right. um, across the road that does me baked potatoes. So I just, before I came here, I went over there and grabbed three of them and... Uh, and we go. Yeah. <laughs> and so, all right. So, no oil on any of these potatoes, but no. you do allow yourself some spices. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. some like sort of condiment sauces. Yeah, yeah. I keep it pretty plain. Like I said, I want my meals to be bland because it forces me to to look outside food to to get enjoyment. But I do, uh, I do use a little bit of salt or mm. you know a bit of chili or onion onion powder or garlic powder or things like that. And I do use a little bit of. Um, plant-based milk to help me make mashed potatoes and a little bit of ketchup or barbecue sauce or sriracha sauce or something like that but all of that's really minimal so like I could have a big plate of say uh, what would it be two to three pounds of potatoes and that would have maybe a tablespoon of ketchup spread over it so it's not like I'm drowning it inside like a little bit exactly just something so that it's not like I'm not going to go totally insane with boredom you know Uh (laughs) and so are you sitting down and eating meals or you're just kind of grazing on these all throughout the day yeah that that varies but most of the time it's meals I've really um I've really stopped having snacks it's just uh I feel like snacks to me are uh, it's something you do to help you tide you over to the next meal and oh, I'm just like if I'm hungry I'm gonna have a meal you know mm-hmm. so it, it varies day to day though some days I'll have two meals and uh and some days I'll have six meals it just I don't it depends on what sort of exercise I've done how much sleep I've had uh, a variety of things but yeah I just I just eat when I'm hungry and I keep eating until I'm full and then yeah that's that's right. a all right, so the first two weeks you're doing this, I would imagine you had some pretty strong cravings. Yeah. So you had to probably had to struggle for a spell there to get yeah. through that. Yeah, and I learned a lot about myself in that first couple of weeks, and I learned a lot about how to deal with cravings or how I can deal with cravings too. So I can share you. Yeah, yeah I'd like so, to hear about that. Yeah, so the first thing I learned was that um, I, I always use the example of chocolate cake. That was a bit of a weakness for me, so... Uh, when I started craving chocolate cake, I, I came up with this plan to sort of trick myself into, uh, into not having it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, if you tell yourself you're never going to eat chocolate cake again, that's like, that's a big deal, you know. I imagine it's the same with you drinking alcohol. I'm never going to drink again. That was probably a big deal and it, and it worried you. So rather than taking that approach, I, I just said to myself, I can eat the chocolate cake. That's fine. 
but first I'm going to eat a big plate of boiled potatoes. And, uh, and then if I can get through that, I'll eat the chocolate cake afterwards. So that's a, that's a page right out of 12 step basically. Yeah. I mean, it's called future tripping, right? So a lot of people when they're new, they'll be like, how am I going to, you know, like, how how am I going to stop drinking? I got to go to this bachelor party next month or like my birthday is in June. You know, how am I going to do that? It's like, don't worry about it, man. All you have to do is make sure your head hits the pillow tonight sober. Like, yeah. If you want to drink tomorrow, drink tomorrow. That's fine. But yeah. just don't drink today and yeah. we'll deal with tomorrow tomorrow. Oh, right. It's just yeah. like, it's basically rooting yourself in the moment. Like the more yeah. you can be present and not worry about what's going to happen or what happened yesterday, then the more, uh, fortified you are to like manage whatever situation is causing you that level of distress, whether it's a craving or some kind of emotional problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting you say that. Cause that was me. I was just, I'm just going to focus on the next meal. That's all that's important. Right. It doesn't matter what happens tomorrow or next month or next year. It's just this meal that I'm about to eat is the important one. So I would, I would get my big plate of potatoes and eat it. And then when I finished, I just didn't want chocolate cake anymore. And that happened a lot of times in the first couple of weeks that let's just eat the plate of potatoes and see what you want afterwards. And every time I didn't want the cake afterwards. So that was uh, a big thing to remember. And I always took potatoes with me. That was really important because uh, if you get hungry, if you allow yourself to get hungry, then that's when you make your worst decisions. So. I made sure that, and these days it's not as important because I'm comfortable with being hungry for an hour or two if I have to be, that's fine. But I wasn't comfortable with that in the beginning. And uh, so I always had potatoes with me. And then when those situations came up, I could just get my box of potato out. And uh, (laughs) many times I I sat in, um, I would sit in the car park of whatever Uh fast food restaurant and I would sit there and just be eating my potatoes going, I I wish I could just finish this so I can go inside and get whatever I'm going to get. But then, sure enough, I'd finish the box of potatoes and, and, uh, and I didn't want it, it anymore. Pass. Yeah, yeah, it would pass. Yeah, so, and there's a couple other things. Have you seen the movie The Matrix before? Of course, like 20 yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, me too. So there's this one scene near the beginning where Neo gets in the car with Trinity and the others and they go to drive him away and this is when he doesn't really know what The Matrix is whether he ever figures out what The Matrix is, who knows. But, I think he <laughs> but, figured uh, it out. Yeah, yeah, at the end. Yeah, but anyway, so... Um, yeah, he's driving along and the guy in the front seat turns around with a gun and they get that machine to get the bug out of him and all that. And he goes, this is too much, I'm out of here. And he goes, stop the car. He opens the door and looks down that long, dark, rainy road and, and he's about to leave and Trinity grabs his arm and says, uh, says, trust me, Neo. And he says, why? And she says, because you've been down that road before, you know where it leads and I know that's not where you want to be. And I replayed that scene in my head plenty of times because... Um, I had cravings and I wanted the chocolate cake and I said to myself, you've been down that road, you know exactly what it tastes like and you know that if you have the cake now, you're going to have it again tomorrow and the next day and you've got the weight of evidence throughout my history told me that it's not going to be just cake just once and then I'll go back to eating potatoes. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. I can't trick myself into that anymore. I know exactly what's going to happen if I do that and is that the road that I want to be on and when I really broke it down and thought about it logically and tried to remove emotion from my decision making, it was um, it made the decision easy to yeah, picture my life in six months' time. If I eat the the cake now, what's going to happen? What am I going to be doing in six months? And that was that was it made it an easy decision mm-hmm. to make. You know, yeah, it's back to that mm. that balance discussion. Um, you know, for me, I have a hard time understanding. Uh, 
you know, diets that allow for like a cheat day or just say, just have a little bit of this because totally. if you really are, if you really do have an addictive type relationship with certain kinds of foods, if you allow yourself that cheat day or that little bit of that every once mm. in a while, you remain imprisoned to that craving. Like you're never free of it because you're yeah. constantly, you're feeding it. Even if you're only, even if you're feeding it a lot less and just yeah. here and there, um, you're never allowing your body to move past it. Like for yeah. me, I have to just completely abstain. Right. Yeah. And so like cheese, you know, for me, it was yeah. a big thing. So I had to go, I had to weather a couple of weeks of being uncomfortable, not eating cheese. Yeah, yeah. And now, you know, it's nine years later, yeah. like, yeah, I, if I see cheese or smell cheese, like that looks appealing to me still, like, I'm yeah. not going to tell you that it disgusts me because it doesn't mm -hmm. like, I'll, I'll smell that and I'll be like, that, that looks good. But I don't have that obsession. Like I don't start thinking about it all the time like that. Yeah. I'm past that, but you have to go through that uncomfortable period of time to get to that place. And the only way to do that in my experience with me is to completely abstain. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I try, I read Tim Ferriss's book, the four hour body a few years ago, and I tried that cheat day thing and you know, I found myself, it didn't do anything for my obsession with food. I did, like, I don't know how long I lasted, maybe a month or a couple of months, but I found myself, <clears throat> sorry, with a notepad during the week writing down what I was going to have on cheat yeah. day, you know? It was like, it, it didn't do anything for me. Well, I, yeah. I would just walk around all week obsessing about what I was going to eat on cheat day. Yeah. And and so you, you become a prisoner of cheat day, Yeah, right? exactly. And, and, yeah. and look, you know, other people have had great success with his diet. It's, yeah, I'm just talking yeah. about my own experience. Yeah, I'm not saying it's cheat day is a bad idea for everyone. It just is a bad idea for me, yeah. Yeah, it just didn't, it didn't work for me. Yeah. So, but a couple of weeks and you were able to kind of get over that hump. Yeah, well, I guess really it was a couple of weeks. It was, I, I sort of, I learned these techniques and it was really like, I'm not going to say it was easy. It was a really, really hard couple of weeks for me. And it was, um, it was every day. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through the day, but somehow I did. And I, I just learned these techniques and it, I guess I probably shouldn't say it was easy from then on, but it was when I got in those situations uh, where I where I wanted to eat something else I just knew what to do and I knew how to talk myself through that situation and so it wasn't I'm not going to say like I don't really crave anything anymore but maybe after a month or something it was like uh, the cravings totally went away or but it was just like I was when the cravings came up I was calm about it I didn't panic anymore I was I just I knew if the craving comes this is what you got to do you got to you got to go and picture that scene from the matrix or you've got to eat your potatoes first or you just got to be honest about the whole situation it's it's emotional eating is is a problem for a lot of people and you know people use food to comfort themselves or to celebrate or basically to make themselves feel better and it's about um it's about understanding that in the long run this chocolate cake is not going to make you feel better you're going to feel like shit because of eating that chocolate cake you're going to enjoy the experience let's be honest it's chocolate cake takes chocolate cake tastes great and it feels good in your mouth and it's a great experience eating chocolate cake but how are you going to feel in 10 minutes time and how are you going to feel in an hour and you know you're going to feel shitty about making a bad choice and then how are you going to feel in six months when you've eaten chocolate cake every day or every mm -hmm. couple of days it's like this is emotional eating is is not helping it's doing bad things for your emotions rather than good it's, it's not giving you what you want out of food and it's just just being honest with myself about that and really uh understanding fully the consequences of my choices and 
yeah, just embracing that rather than trying to block it out. You well, know? it's just eating, eating mindfully, right? Yeah, yeah. As, as opposed to reactively, yeah. right? Just sort of impulsively grabbing for whatever without thinking about why it is that you're grabbing for it. So yeah. as a result of walking this path and when those cravings pop up or you're more mindful about, you know, kind of where you're at with everything, have you been able to um, get a get a grip on what your triggers are emotionally that lead you to those thoughts or previously those choices? Uh, well, like, yeah, for I guess, example, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, Oh, now I've, now I know after doing this for 10 months, like when, when this, when I'm in this situation that comes up every once in a while, that's when I notice that I'm craving that, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, connecting I'm, the dots emotionally with yeah, the choices no, that you used to I, make. I know it. Yeah. I know what you mean, but it, it wasn't really, a thing for me I, I didn't really find that there was trigger situations it was time. just all the time yeah it was like, <laughs> yeah there wasn't really i would eat because i had a good day let's celebrate with the pizza or mm-hmm. i'd eat i had a bad day so let's commiserate with some ice cream or whatever it was just every situation called for some sort of using food right. for something it was like yeah it was just it's a behavior change thing for me and uh it's like yeah, there's just there's just no situation that calls for me to put crap in my mouth, mm-hmm. and it's a self it's self harming really when you think about it. It's like you're, you're putting junk in your mouth, and it's immediately from the moment you swallow it, it starts doing bad things to your body. And you know, you, you, I'm a teacher. I've been for a long time, and I've I've worked with kids that are uh, in desperate situations. I've worked with kids that are struggling, and um, you know, I don't see that behavior the way I was treating food is no different to the kids I've worked with that cut themselves. And it was, uh, you know, trying to use it as a way to just get some feeling in a, in a life that was mm-hmm. without feeling, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, it was not really any trigger, specific triggers that I had to deal with. It was just uh, I had to just totally changed my behavior and changed the way I thought about food and life in general. Yeah. What do you think people most misunderstand about what you're doing? Yeah, I think it's the, probably the extreme, like people think, isn't that, isn't that extreme? You're not like, I think that that's the the main question I get after, where do you get your protein? Where do you get all this stuff? After that, it's, isn't that too extreme? That's the main thing I get. And it's, for me, it's like, well, isn't weighing 335 pounds extreme and isn't using food as a coping mechanism and using food to celebrate and just being overweight and unhappy and all that, like, to me, that's extreme. And what I'm doing, yeah, I guess it, in a way it is extreme, but extreme doesn't have to mean bad. Like, we look at extreme often and, yeah, if you do something extreme, so often we think that's a bad thing, but extreme doing being extreme can be good too if you're if you're channeling your extreme behavior to in a positive direction then mm. yeah that's so i guess that's the biggest thing that that uh the assumption that extreme behavior is inherently bad have you have you been in any situations where you almost went off the reservation like any kind of <laughs> compromising like i would imagine yeah. traveling makes it a little trickier right like have you been yeah. anywhere where you're, you just almost quit or gave up yeah in that first couple of weeks yeah every day yeah but uh yeah since then i have had a few times where i've not been prepared and uh and i've been out without potatoes and and haven't been able to find anything and i've i've not really got to the point where i was ready to eat something else but i have got like angry about the situation and annoyed with myself and 
been in a really bad mood and like yeah, if you yeah. to you let me ask sorry to interrupt again That's but right. like you know an argument would be well why don't you just go grab a bunch of bananas you know like who's who cares mm. it's 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 still super healthy yeah, it's not a potato, but like it's not mm. like you really cheated or anything like that. But yeah. I know for myself that if I once I break a rule, it just becomes so easy to break it again. Like it's a, yeah. I may not break it the following day. I may not break it for another couple months, but I know that I already broke it. And so it just mm. it's like the integrity of that mission has been compromised on some level and and it's like the foundation. There's a crack in the foundation. Yeah. Is that yeah, how you look at exactly. it? Exactly. I couldn't really say it any better. It's like, I'm not going to argue that bananas are unhealthy. Nutritionally, that would have been a great choice. But this is not about nutrition for me. This is about my, my state of mind and my relationship with food. And it's about, um, it's just about being t in total control over my relationship with food. And in, I need to be in total control. And uh, oh, ne next year, once I finish this, yeah, that, that's what I'll do. I'll go and get a bunch of bananas and eat them. But it's really important to me to get through this year and, uh, and really prove to myself that I control the food. The food doesn't control me. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's where it's at for me, yeah. Right. So, yeah. so where are you going to take – like you're going you're gonna to finish the year and then – yeah, then I'll, then I'll gonna, work back towards right. uh, a whole food, plant-based diet. So you're, like, you're coming yeah. up on that. I mean, it's yeah. coming up pretty soon. Yeah, it's does it freak you out to to kind of go back to transitioning into yeah. a more diverse? Yeah, freaking me out is the, probably the probably not the right way to say it, but it is something that I think about. It's um, like I'm not I'm not worried that I'm going to go back to the way that I was eating before because my mindset around food is totally different to what it was. It's, um, I, I don't think about food in the same way anymore. And mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying that I'm totally cured. I think, like I've heard you say on your podcast, that you consider yourself to still be an addict. You're just one that's not drinking. And I, I, I feel like I'll be the same way with food. And, um, and it's something I've just got to be mindful of forever. But I, I've learned the tools that I've, I've learned from this year can be easily be applied to the next situation. I'll just, I've got very narrow, well, a very narrow rule now. And, um, and I'll just, I'll, I'll just expand the, right. the rules. And, uh, and I feel like, yeah, I've, I've got what it takes to make that work now. And, um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. I've got a party planned for the 1st of January. Yeah. So, well, I haven't fully planned it yet, but yeah, we're going to... What are you going to eat? I don't know. Um, I don't know how many people are going to show up for a breakfast party <laughs> on New Year's Day after having partied New Year's Eve, but <laughs> yeah. Um, you might be surprised. Yeah, I don't actually... I don't, I, to be honest, I really don't care what my first meal is. As long as it's whole food, plant-based, no oil, no salt, no sugar, that sort mm. of thing, then, uh, then I'll be happy to eat it, but... Um, yeah, there's really not any food that I've missed or have been like, I can't wait to eat that again or whatever. It's just... Have you been yeah. in some uh, kind of funny social situations that you had to navigate yeah. as a result of this choice? Uh, yeah, it's, it's not been that hard though. But yeah, I have been to dinner a couple of times where I've just sat and had a drink while everyone else had dinner. <laughs> you bring your own potatoes? Uh, I eat, like if we're going to a restaurant, I don't want to bring potatoes in with me. But most of the time, restaurants can make me potatoes. It's right. no trouble. But there have been a couple of times where I've sat in the car park eating my potatoes and then gone in and sat down with everyone and had a drink and then have some more after but nothing too bad I've been to a wedding where they they specially made me some potatoes and yeah <laughs> in a way it helped because like I said I was keeping this a secret well not really a secret it was on YouTube but I wasn't 
publicizing it and telling all of my friends it was it was just something i was doing on my own and then when it all got out well now you're the like, potato guy it's like everyone's exactly. gonna yeah, accommodate yeah. you or, yeah yeah you know. so i can ring a restaurant and say hey i'm the potato guy can you make me right. some potatoes and and they like, know who you are yeah, like, that, is, yeah. It, is it at that at that point now yeah not everyone not not everyone knows but most of the time if i ring a restaurant like do you watch the news? I've been on the news. I'm a, the potato guy and I'm, I want to come for dinner. Like, oh, great. We'll make you some uh -huh. potatoes. It's, yeah, it's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. get freaked out about the social stuff, but 99% yeah. of it is pretty manageable, which is yeah. a little bit of kind of, uh, you know, some social graces yeah. and a little plan. And I was yeah. worried about it. I, th I thought like, you know, my friends would just give me some shit and make fun of me. Do and they? Well, I hope they and, did, right? Isn't that well, yeah, Australian culture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. They did. But like... um. Yeah, they didn't really like it was only like lighthearted stuff and uh, just just some lighthearted jokes here and there. But I really I thought it would be much worse than it than it has been. I thought yeah I'd just uh, I'd get a lot of grief for it, but no, it's it's been good. People have been really supportive, and I think um, once people understood that how important this was for me, and I don't think anyone around me really knew what my relationship with food was like and how much pain it caused me, and and I didn't. It's not something I talked about with people. It was. Um, but yeah, once it all got out and, um, and I had some honest conversations with friends mm -hmm. and they really, um, they understood that this was something I really needed to do and it, and it was a, a mental health thing as much as anything that, yeah, the, the jokes sort of stopped and, and people just wanted to help me get through it. And uh, yeah. It's, a cra it's been a crazy year for you. I mean, yeah. 10 months from 334 pounds or whatever yeah. it is and yeah. and living you know an anonymous you know living just living your life like yeah. an average dude to being somebody who's been written about for the today show you've been yeah. on the doctors yeah you're you're, you're the daily Mail. like all these newspapers are writing about you and mm. you really are like the potato guy like you're an yeah. international superstar <laughs> for doing what you're doing yeah i mean what do you make of that i mean that's to, to go back and look at your first video and fast forwarding to now, I mean, obviously you could have never imagined or predicted that it would create yeah. this kind of trajectory for yourself. But like, yeah. how do you wear the mantle now? Like, what, what do you, like, what do you think about this journey that you've been, you know, that you've been blazing? Yeah, it's really been incredible. It's, uh, it's been the most, the weirdest year of my life by a long way, but yeah, also one of probably the best year of my life. I, it's it's just been an incredible year and um and the support that i've had has been amazing and um yeah i just feel like now like i said earlier thousands and thousands of people have emailed me for help over the year and, and i've spent i spend hours every day answering emails and it just feels so so good to be able to help people by like everything that i've improved in myself is is really great like don't I'm, i would never play that down it's been awesome but to be able to use this year to help so many other people then um, deal with their food addiction issues and lose weight and get healthier and and you know people have written to me that they've cured diabetes because of uh, because of doing potatoes only for a period of time or they've they've cured their arthritis or you name it I've had emails from so many different people that have cured health issues from taking some time out from food and eating only potatoes for a little while and. Um, yeah, I just I really want to um, use this platform that I've now got to try to just help as many people as possible. There's just there's mm -hmm. nothing cooler than being able to wake up in the morning and check my emails, and there's five emails or six emails from different people that I've helped, and 
yeah, that's that's just the best thing. So I really want to. So do you think to, you'll yeah. you'll you'll try to uh, turn this into like a professional endeavor of like coaching people, or like yeah. well, how do you envision this playing out? Yeah, uh, how do I envision it? I'm not even going to try yeah. to envision anything after the way. Well, I mean, you're gone, but, but, yeah, but, yeah. but I mean, yeah. of course, you're thinking about. I mean, you're in a position yeah. now where you you know with all these people and all this yeah. attention you're getting that you, you really could convert this into yeah. you know a vocation that can support your family yeah. and help people at the same time. And, yeah exactly and, and really yeah. like when i say like carry that mantle like you're you know it's it's a privilege you know? absolutely and, and as somebody who's been doing this a little bit longer than you in a different way i could tell you it's incredibly satisfying to be doing this kind yeah. of work um and you know i would love to see you you know really carry that and own that and and convert what you have going on into a way to uh, into a platform where you really can help people in a really substantial way. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I do. I want to. I want to do that. I want to. I love it. I love spending my time helping people, and I want to, yeah, make it my career, as you said. And like I've I've written a book. Um, it's called the DIY Spud Fit Challenge. Uh-huh. So. And it's um I got it right here. Yeah, I brought a cover Your for you. Your head actually so. looks like a potato. <laughs> it <on> does. The <laughs> <cover>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I say I've often said that. Uh, just as a obviously just as a joke, but I, I just decided to choose the food I looked most like and eat that for a year. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that's like the first half of the book is uh, a lot of the stuff we've talked about about the things I've done to um, to uh, beat cravings and and to change the way I think about food. And then the second half of the book is my wife has uh, got a little bit creative because, like I said, I eat pretty boring, but. People don't want to buy a recipe book that just says boil some potatoes and eat mm-hmm. them. So, so she got a little bit creative and made some interesting recipes in the back. And um, yeah, so I guess that's the start of maybe uh, yeah turning this into my career. And uh, that's yeah you can get that through my website or on Kindle or iBooks. But um, yeah, I do want to do more coaching as well. I had a little uh, I've dabbled in coaching already. I've helped a few people, but uh, I've stopped doing that for the moment because I really I don't know how I want that to work but I, I will get back into that at some point and uh and i've i've got a group online uh which i've been coaching as well which uh yeah there's there's about 400 people that i'm i'm helping oh, through cool. a through a facebook group and um yeah that's been really cool too some of the stories that i've uh and the feedback i've got from people in that group has been just amazing and it's uh yeah it just it makes everything worth it yeah right it's, it's cool well and you got you got some support from from uh some pretty interesting people right like you finally got to meet uh your hero john mcdougall i did weekend yeah, at the yeah. Shores conference right yeah and he's been very supportive of of your journey and he appeared with you on the doctors yeah. and you guys both appeared virtually on that show but yeah but that's good that's pretty cool that you know he, he sort of uh got your back yeah, it is. It's really cool, and yeah, I met him yesterday. It was a it was a cool moment. I got to sit down with him and uh, and do a short little clip for my YouTube channel of uh, having a chat with him. And yeah, I met some other amazing people like uh, Neil Barnard was there, and um, and his I've read his book about reversing diabetes, which I don't have any diabetes issues, but I just like reading about nutrition mm-hmm. stuff now. So uh, and yeah, uh, Alan Goldhammer, I love his book, The Pleasure Trap. So it was it was cool to meet him. Right, and that's Doug Lyle. Doug Lyle Doug and Lyle. Alan Goldhammer, yeah, right. they wrote that book right. together. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah, they wrote it together. I yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Doug Lyle wasn't there, but Alan Goldhammer mm-hmm. did a, a great talk yesterday as well, and I got to meet him and uh, and Chef AJ as well, which is also really cool. Another uh, food addict who uh, yeah. 
I heard her on your podcast too and that was a, a really cool thing and yeah I'm actually going to have dinner with her tonight so oh you are cool yeah yeah oh, so awesome. it's uh and you're hanging out with Jeff Nelson and his, yeah, his yeah. family. Yeah, so it was Jeff Nelson ran the Veg Source Expo. And this all came about, the reason I'm in LA in the first place was because uh, Jeff had a, a competition on YouTube for a YouTuber to win uh, a, a trip to LA to go and cover the Veg Source Expo on their YouTube channel. So I entered that and I didn't win. And uh, who won that? Klaus, who runs the Plant-Based News channel. Not the vegan it, cheetah. No, he was there too. He was there though, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I hung out with him. He's a cool... Yeah, I, I didn't know... I watched know, a bunch of his videos. Yeah, I didn't know what to think about him before I went there. I, he's I a character. He's, yeah, I thought he's, he's not really my kind of guy, you know. I'm not really into gossip and that All sort of thing. But I hung out with him a fair bit over the weekend. And he's a, he's a cool dude, man. It, it was really... It was cool to hang out. A lot of drama. A lot of vegan drama on YouTube. Yeah, there is. You know and I mean? that's something I didn't really know a lot about I, I until... I stay away from yeah, that. Yeah, I do too, but... Um, He's got an interesting perspective on it. He did a talk at the festival. And oh, he gave it, a talk too? Yeah, and it, it really, uh, at, at the very least, it'll make you think about it. If you get the chance to watch the talk, it'll make you think about the value of gossip and drama, that there is a place for it. I'm not, still, I don't think it's something that I'm going to get heavily involved in or like a lot of people do, but still, it's an interesting perspective. And, and yeah, he was a cool guy to hang out with. And yeah, anyway, I entered that competition to, to come to win the trip and I didn't get it. And one of my followers said, hey, you should crowdfund a trip and we'll all chip in money and we'll get you there. And I just, like, I hadn't made a dollar out of this at that point in time. And I just thought, yeah, that's a weird thing. Who's going to pay for me to come to LA? That's so, <laughs> it's like, go yeah. on vacation. Yeah. And then um, I, I, that's so, awesome. Yeah. So I, he sent me a link uh, to GoFundMe. Uh -huh. I thought, oh, I can't hurt to put it up. So I did it and raised the money in two days. So. Wow yeah so That's here great, i am man. yeah so i just I'm, I'm really thankful to all of my uh supporters that have that have kicked in to get me here because it's just i'm having the time of my life That's meeting fantastic. all these guys and yeah yeah there's a lot of great great i spoke at that event it's been a couple of years but you know i love yeah, jeff. jeff said yeah yeah i love jeff he's a great guy and and what he's doing is uh is you know a great service bringing all those people in and, and hosting that thing every year yeah, it was a it was a real life changing event. Being able to sit and listen to all these amazing people and meet them and talk with them personally, and uh, and yeah, there's so there were so many great speakers there that are doing amazing things and providing the service and yeah, just getting the message out there of good health. And it was just such a positive vibe in that place, just to be surrounded by so many people that just just want to help each other and help the world get healthier mm -hmm. and. Yeah, it was just a really cool place to be. Well, you got to yeah. move to the U.S. You can go to conferences like that all yeah. the time. <laughs> I have uh, have had that idea. I, uh, oh, yeah. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll, yeah, just this weekend, I was thinking, oh, I want to do this more often. I can do this like once a year at home. Mm -hmm. like, next week, actually, there's a, the World Vegan Day in Melbourne, which is a pretty big event, and, uh, and I'll be speaking there. But then I've got to wait until next year for that again. Right. But, yeah, Did you so. speak at VegSource? No, so not officially. There was a on Saturday night. They had a, a little bingo fun game, and I just I gave a little ten minute talk before that. But uh, yeah, that was cool. It was it was fun, and I, I got a lot of good feedback from that mm -hmm. talk. But uh, I'm not. If you sign up for through VegSource to get the uh, the downloads of all the speakers, you won't get me. That, that's, that was and just I'll a put little. Put you on the YouTube. No, that was just a little uh, a little fun thing I did. So. And you're gonna keep yeah. up the YouTube channel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to keep it going and I'm, I'm going to, uh, next year I'll, I'll be able to, I can't really talk about how to transition off potatoes because I haven't experienced it. So I think that'll be an interesting thing to do and look at uh, 
and you know share with people how I deal with food addiction when I go back to a, a more inverted commas normal way of eating um, and yeah I'll just just document my journey and hopefully keep helping people get healthy yeah well, there's a vibrant vegan community in Australia for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, the podcast listenership there is pretty big, and and uh, and so I would imagine there's tons of stuff that you can do locally. Yeah, and I've had I've got all sorts of ideas of, of things I want to do. I would love to at some point have a uh, a retreat where people can come and hang out with me for a week and eat only potatoes. The spud and, treat. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, maybe something along the lines of the retreat that you do, uh-huh. um, where I'm just uh, yeah, I'll we'll do a lot of uh, lectures and uh, an education on healthy eating and on addiction and and have a week where people can try to escape the uh, the vicious cycle and hang out with me and eat potatoes and and uh, and see if we can help change some uh, relationships with food that way. But that's uh, that's an idea at the moment. It's not anything organised, but I, I think that would be a cool thing to do too. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, we're going to, like we were talking about before the podcast, we're going to be in Australia um, <clears throat> end of February. We're doing our retreat in, yep. in Western Australia, south of Perth. Yeah. South of Perth, right? Yeah. I think that's yeah. Where we, yeah. yeah. Um, but after that, we're planning on going to Melbourne and Sydney. And we're trying to line up some yeah, events cool. or yep. something, you know, yep. something cool that we can do in those cities to yeah. cultivate community. I'm and sure we have, we have um, a couple of people like trying to, yeah. you know, putting feelers out. You know, if we have to set up our own event, maybe we'll do that. I was going to say that I'm sure you wouldn't have any trouble filling yeah. a room. People, uh, there's a lot of a lot of rich roll fans in so, Australia. Yeah, yeah, it would be cool. But if we end up doing that, maybe you can uh, come out and share your story. Yeah, I'd love. Really too. Yeah, that'd be cool. Cool, yeah. man. All right, man. I think we did it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. How do you feel? I feel great. This is this has been awesome. What, honor, yeah. Why don't you leave us with? Uh, well, there's two things I want to ask you before we totally wrap it up. I mean, the first yeah. thing would be that's kind of how I end a lot of these podcasts with, yeah. you know, just something that you can share for the person out there that's that's really struggling that is in that cycle that took you so long to figure a way out of like they're in that rubber banding i want to eat healthy maybe i want to be plant-based i do it for a while and i go back and i just can't get a grip on it like what kind of advice or inspiration can you impart to that person yeah well that's a that's a tough one because uh it's sort of everyone everyone has a different experience but for me desperate times call for desperate measures you know it just don't be afraid to step way outside the box and do something something totally different and uh and really just attack the problem don't don't be passive with it just get after it and and go all out you know put mm-hmm. all your chips on the table and just really do something big and um also i think it's really important to uh to just embrace simplicity it's just such a simplicity is such a powerful thing and uh yeah you're like, very you're a minimalist yeah yeah, yeah. minimalism know. is uh yeah, uh, it's something I have explored a little bit in other areas of my life, but I never thought about it with food until this year. And yeah, I really think just taking away that those decisions is a is a big thing. Yeah. Cool. And if you had to boil down your message to like one sentence, like what is at the very core of what you're trying to convey? Yeah, just stop worrying about um, what you need to eat for nutrition. I guess it's just it's simple. Yeah, you can you can get everything you need from a potato. potato. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now yeah. well, you guys have a perfect way to end it. <laughs> 
Thanks yeah. so much, Andrew. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's super fun. I really appreciate uh, you being so open about this, and it's fascinating, man. And uh, I'm 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 proud of you, and I wish you the best of luck. And if there's anything I can do for you uh, as you continue to kind of blaze this path, uh, consider me a resource, man. I'd love to help you. And Thanks, Rich. I I'd appreciate love to it. Uh, be able to see you a year from now yeah. uh, with wings spread and yeah. uh, helping as many people as I know you're capable of helping. So, Thanks so much. It's an inspiration, and, yeah. and uh, you're an example of, of a different way of living, and it's cool to see you making it work and, and impacting so many people. So congrats for that. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate everything you do, too. There's a, a countless lives are better for having you in this world and everything you do, so... Yeah, same goes, man. And I look forward to seeing you in Melbourne in February. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. Peace. Plants. And sputter. <laughs> and sputter. <laughs> Potatoes. <laughs> All right. Give him a shout out. Put some wind in his sails on the internet, on Twitter. Leave a comment on one of his YouTube uh, videos. And let's let this guy know that we support him as he culminates, as he's about to finish this crazy one-year potato journey. Uh, as always, please make a point of checking out the show notes at richroll.com on the episode page. Lots of links to uh, take your uh, experience of Andrew beyond uh, the earbuds. Uh, and as always, thank you for sharing the show with your friends and with your coworkers and your family members around the water cooler. If you have a moment, it would mean a lot if you left us a review on iTunes. It only takes a minute. And again, click that subscribe button. Uh, we have an Amazon banner ad that you can find on every episode uh, page on my website. If you click that for your Amazon purchases, we get credit for that. Amazon kicks us some loose commission change. It doesn't cost you guys anything extra, but as we're going into holiday season and people are going to be making purchases on Amazon, it's a really great free way for you guys to support the Rich Roll podcast without having to go out of pocket. So I appreciate that very much. People have made a habit of that. If you do uh, wanna support us even further, we have a Patreon and you can find that banner also on every episode page on my site. Uh, if you guys would be interested in hearing from me on a weekly basis by way of email, I have something called Roll Call. Every Thursday, I send out a short blast with like five or six recommendations, things I've enjoyed, documentaries, articles I've read, books I'm reading, uh, products that I think are cool, Kickstarters, things like that. Just useful, fun stuff. I'm never going to spam you. Uh, and it's totally free. I've been doing it, I don't know, 15 weeks or something like that at this point. Uh, and I don't share this information on my blog or anywhere else. So if you want in, just uh, subscribe on my website and totally free. Uh, if you want signed copies of Finding Ultra or The Plant Power Way, you can get those on my website, richroll.com. We also have t-shirts and swag and stickers and tech tees and all kinds of other cool stuff. So check that out. I also want to thank everybody who contributed to the production of this podcast today, Jason Camiolo for audio engineering and production, Sean Patterson for all his wizardry on graphics, Chris Swan uh, for additional production assistance as all, and also help uh, compiling the show notes and theme music as always by Anna Lemma. Thanks you guys. I appreciate the love and I'm going to share one last final thought with you. Uh, my takeaway from this conversation isn't that we should all stop what we're doing and just adopt an all potato diet. Uh, rather, I think it serves as a reminder of what can be accomplished when one questions the paradigm, when one steps outside the box and has the courage to 
really try something new, something radical, something unknown, and perhaps something extreme. And in a culture that prioritizes balance and safety and security above everything, we've what have we reaped? We've reaped depression and illness and discontentment. So if these emotions are familiar to you, perhaps it's time to question your own paradigm, to seek out your version of Andrew's challenge, if for nothing more than as an opportunity to more deeply connect with yourself, to take control and power uh, over your life and to more deeply connect yourself with who you are, what's important to you and how you choose to live in our short shared time here on earth. See you guys soon. Peace. Plants. Yay!